0: everyone, and welcome to the Pink Bike Podcast. I am special guest host, Jason Lucas, and this is a very special episode of the Pink Bike Podcast. We are coming, not live, but relatively live from the Whistler Village, and we have some very awesome people in a little hotel room here. Derek Westerland. Brett Tippy and obviously Brian Park here to talk about the film Nothing's for Free, which is available now on Outside Watch as well as a variety of ways. And we are going to get into the nitty-gritty on why the film was made, how the film was made, and also talk about some of the biggest moves in the film. Let's get into it.
1: Before we get to the podcast, I just want to put in a quick spoiler warning. If you don't want to know what happens in the film... Maybe skip this podcast until you've had a chance to watch it. Also, this episode is even less family-friendly than usual, so maybe not the thing to listen to with your preteens on the way to camp. Okay, back to it.
0: Derek, we obviously want to talk to you. You're the director of the film. Um, Where did this come from? Where did the idea come from? It's your brainchild. You've wanted to bring it to life for a while. Can you tell the people more about it?
2: How did the film come about? I don't know. I mean... Were you trying to get this done before the moment? Like, was there a race between the moment and this movie? No, actually, at one point... Or did the moment kind of, like, kickstart it for no, you to get it Christiane done? No, Christiane
3: and I were talking about working together on that project. And um, as it was 25 years ago, we just we just can't work together. <laughs> <laughs> um, love the guy, but, like, we're just different people. And working together could possibly be disastrous so i think both of us instinctually know that that wasn't going to work and so he did that project um we had talked about a lot of different um configurations of that because i knew i was going to make this movie like my whole life it wasn't even it's not like i decided one day to make this movie
2: um not ndw 11 you wanted to do the, yeah, the wrap yeah i
3: mean to me like you know, rad company was like NWD 11, a couple of years later um, of where it probably would have gone. But to me to like, you know, watch Brandon do what he's done has been like, that, that just lets me sleep at night, even though I never sleep at night, but like the, it just like what he's done with everything that predecessed him is, is, is epic. Like that's, that's the benchmark and that's, only really what i want to be a part of like i don't really want to just
1: plow out content you know what i'm saying so the, the film isn't really uh it's not just about new world and it's not just it's not like a for the people that haven't heard of the film nothing's for free it's it is a history of free ride mountain biking it's a it's a look back to you know past present future of where the sport's been and yeah, I would say to me, it feels, I mean, one of my favorite parts about it is that it's not just the story of freer or the story of New World, you know?
3: Yeah, and, and like, that aspect of it was never planned. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, New World's integration and, and even mentions in the film, that's not what the film was based on. Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, that's like a, it's a big be, part of free ride's history so what, it's gotta, what we
3: adopted know. along the way is it's like a 30-year front row seat to what the fuck happened right so for me some of that new world stuff was adapted into it out of mm-hmm. storytelling mm-hmm. but it was never hey tell your story like that's the most opposite of of who i am or like even for me to self-direct or 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 sort of narrate or or help glue some sections together. That was really tough. You know, like I did, you know, the 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 second interview I did, I was so like nervous. I had a few drinks, but then I was like, holy fuck, you're you, you know, you're like, how are you gonna look? How are you mm-hmm. gonna sound? Like yeah. and and I listen to it now and I'm like, oh geez, a couple too many old fashions. <laughs> but
0: uh <laughs>
2: And there yeah, are some serious it. things I went down before New World Disorder that uh that I went down that you were involved with personally, but there was New no oh, World Disorder. Of course, yet. man. Like I don't like that whole
3: series of films, like it is what it is, but like it's all part of a, a bigger story, you know, like
1: that's I, all there is to it. I guess we should back up. So Derek, the director, is one of the original filmmakers of free ride mountain bike films um not not tippy will point out the not the very first person to point a camera at a person skidding down a scree slope but you know
2: <laughs> yeah Derek was still on the bike we you were still in front of the camera yeah when, yeah uh, the first free ride movies were so, filmed. so but
1: but you've been there at... there since the very start and this film is to tell that story yeah as a front row seat
3: yeah i mean that's 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 truly what it is and and there's very few people that have that perspective Mm -hmm. right because there's very few people who have have actually stayed in it for that long right because a lot of people that may have touched it in one decade or another move on they go get a real life because Mm -hmm. You know, what's There's the difference? There's literally
2: hundreds of dollars to be made in the mountain
3: bike industry. <laughs> I was going to say, what's the difference between a free rider and a, pep- a large pepperoni pizza?
2: A large pepperoni pizza can feed a family of four. There you <laughs> go. You're going to hear it tomorrow night at
3: the
1: premiere. How many times am I going to hear this fucking joke? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Anyways.
0: So yes. Jason, I sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the film. I'm looking forward to it tomorrow night at the premiere here in Crankworks. But I'm understanding from what Brian has told me is you don't just touch on the good. You touch on the bad in the film and, and the real story of it and we talked about the moment that was that's a great film and it kind of portrayed a, a part of the free ride movement of course and it was largely happy and, and exciting and fun but this there's some twists and turns it goes darker
3: yeah yeah absolutely i mean i don't when people say darker i'm just like just real Yeah. like yeah. we as a society especially the bike industry being as conservative as it is mm-hmm. really has a hard time with that yeah. like you know nobody wanted to admit Lance Armstrong did fucking you know blood doping like okay we all knew that but like what are what are we what are we hiding and i think i don't think there's anything like the movie was a lot heavier at times like a fucking lot and we we peeled it back to actually make it hit somewhere in the middle for the bike industry because we want the bike industry to pay attention but at the end of the day it's about the world it's not about the bike industry and 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 that's how i look at it
1: i love that there's like so many people in the film and things in the organizations in the film are just presences like they're not good or bad they're you know the even like you you almost set yourself up as a villain in certain parts of the film Um, Like when you're talking or like whatever, uh, uh, antagonist. Yeah. You know, um, when you're talking about some of the rivalries that are going on and but also, you know, Red Bull is this incredible force for change because of rampage and stuff. But they're also the big bad because, you know, for the various industry pressures and things that they've done to commercialize things So, like everything has two sides in the film that way, you know?
3: Yeah, I think it's really for the audience to to make up their own minds like i'm not here to shove anything down anyone's throat mm-hmm. or 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 tell you how you need to think i'm here to make you think like mm-hmm. i don't i'm not trying to um appease any storyline or, or a person's opinion or brand like i mean like let's cut through the bullshit without red bull there is no free riding yeah period totally. mm-hmm. period like Red Bull has been the greatest thing to ever happen to the sport. Like all the best, you know, athletes, the best trips, the best vision with production, whether it's a raw 100 or NWD, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. they have been the through line to it all. And we didn't want to make a like Red Bull actually, this is one of the first films I haven't made with red bull yeah. and not only a client but great friends and huge you know they had a, a huge impact on this film um, from the people who believed in the vision um eight years ago literally mm-hmm. eight years ago when this film was conceptualized and i remember hanging out with danny and showing him the first storyboards for the movie of him riding on the Scottish coast and starting to tell a story. And
0: it was that long ago that the film was conceptualized. And how did like, in that conceptualization, how are you choosing the cast? Cause you have an incredible cast from older to younger. How do you choose who's a part of this? <sighs> hmm. Change agents.
3: Yeah. I said that once. Yeah. It's, it's people that really, you know, like obviously there has been a lot of, incredible talents come through the sport of free riding. Like if you start to peel it back and we tried to tip the hat to as many as you can, but everybody that ever did a fucking tabletop and rode in a slope style, you know, like, I, I, you know, it's, it's hard.
1: Right. I can tell that you're like, you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Like who have I missed? Oh, dude, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. dude, I, I
3: have had a few moments where I'm like, whatever. I'm on pink bike and I <laughs> see someone, a friend or or someone who I really respect. And all of a sudden I'm like, there's no shots of them in the movie. And I'm <laughs> like, fuck, like it's such a weird way to think too. And I, I hope that like people understand because like, it's not about, it's about storytelling. It's yeah. not about one person. It's not about me. It's not about tip. It's not about the people who started. It's about the people who, are, it's it's about the fabric of the
2: sport of free riding. It's not about anyone, you know? I'm getting a call from Dale Walsh, who's one of the OGs in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So
3: these good. old school dudes. I mean, we got to just talk about this. Like, you know, the movie's fun and it sort of plays off a few uh, early um, adapters of what would become free riding. And there's these dudes in Kamloops, like, just. Like guys that I barely even know, maybe were older than me in high school or whatever, but they were riding some gnarly, gnarly stuff, no helmets and fucking dropping in. And I don't know, like in in who if anybody has ever rode the original trails in Kamloops, like the blue line and these kind of things. They're like, steep. They're fucking gnarly. so steep. They're almost impossible to ride even today and we were doing them on piece of shit bikes like like 10 speeds with the fucking bars up dude like i mean i'm telling you like so steep you go back to that now after everything we've done and progressed the sport you go back to those lines they're fucking steep and 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 kind of insane and i'm like i didn't ride those then and i'm not gonna ride them now (laughs) because you're just it's like the top of mount seven but it doesn't end just down the down the mountain and 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 can lives
2: Dale Walsh. How are you? I hey, oh, got hey, a hey, live I'm now. doing awesome, man. Right
4: on? You're out of bed already.
2: Uh, yeah, I've, I've been, podcast, I almost didn't Dale. even go to bed. You're you're on air right You're on a podcast with me and Derek Westland and the Pink Pike guys. I am not. You are live right now. I am not. Yes, you are. It can't be. So, this is Dale Walsh, who is in the new movie, Nothing's for Free, uh, on his bike riding down a uh, sand pit with me. And you do a couple turns and you G out at the bottom. Boom! You blow a foot off and then you ride her out. And, uh, oh, that was me. That was you, yeah.
4: Well, I, I wasn't sure which of it
2: was me no no that's definitely you and that's the bike you oh, led you me go to ahead. go ride those giant uh shoots that me and Schley went and rode in lillivet was it in Nishiki? yeah
4: that's right too i had that that marin jacket
2: on yeah exactly you said i could borrow the bike but i had to use your marin jacket so i was like okay yeah,
3: yeah. best oh, podcast awesome. ever <laughs>
2: it's, it's really gone cool. off the rails <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't take long. the movie premieres tomorrow night in whistler there's gonna be thousands of people there and then we're gonna party like there's no tomorrow and uh oh. you should you should come down
4: well, I, I was just saying. I just left a message saying I'm I'm on my way. We're leaving town right now. You're doing it! Oh my
2: god! Well, it's free to be there. We can get you into the after party. It's at the Longhorn, and Lance Henderson's coming. I haven't seen him in 15 years. Yep. My brother's in the movie. He crashes, goes over the bars. He, he's coming down. He's going to go over the bars tomorrow night too. <laughs> this, is a, you know, this is the Calip dude's claim to fame right here. Oh yeah, no, it's going to be good. I'm so glad you're coming. I
4: can't wait. Yeah, we're we're uh, we'll be at James's house. We're going to ride. And- have some
2: fun. If I can get Craig Olsen to camelos, will you bring him down too? Well
4: we're leaving in ten minutes,
2: that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Oh, call call that the helicopter TV TV. TV. <laughs> Right. Oh my god. Oh, so awesome. Okay, well let me know when you're here. I gotta get back to this podcast, but uh sure. I'll text you. tell us what it was like. Um being an OG, like you were a dirt biker, but you also, you know, rode mountain bike. I know you raced. You won the North Americans actually in Roslyn, um, at one point in in the expert class. And uh, you wrote some Steve Marley lines with me and Craig Olson and stuff. What was it like?
4: Oh, it was unbelievable. But the funny thing was, we were doing that years before. Yeah. Uh, right. So. Uh, yeah, that
2: was ninety five. That's the one we only got a camera. Like the eighties is when the, the stuff went down, but there was no cameras.
4: Well, that's the problem. There were no cameras. We had to just, like, draw sketches back
2: then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Caveman drawings. Chippy <laughs> made a T-shirt of oh, it. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I love that.
4: Oh, it's all good, yeah. So, remember, I remember the biggest thing was telling you guys, look, there's no rocks in this terrain. It's all just clay shoots. So, let's just gas it. Exactly. You down these things, right? There's no way you can get hurt. Sage brushes aren't great, but they're
2: better than landing on rocks yeah exactly rocks rip tear <laughs> and shred and the clay you just get dirty and stuff fill yeah, your nose exactly. and yeah, ears no, and saying. every orifice in your body when you crash yeah that's it yeah okay buddy so
4: yeah let's uh lake up when i get there
2: okay we'll see you tomorrow give me a call okay bye. later deal bye. ciao interlude okay great. so he wrote he rode dirt bikes with a guy named guy Perret, and those were like two of the fastest using counts on dirt bikes mm. and then he also rode mountain bikes and uh, they lived in Valley View, right at the bottom of all those hoodoos and stuff. So he was like, he was into it. Guy Perrette's
3: a legend. Like, um, actually, one of the parts of the film is when, the, you know, we first bring Josh Bender to <laughs> Canada, to Kamloops. And um, on that trip. The Krusty Demons of Dirt guys who contributed to the film and that we obviously looked up to at the time and, and everything were all in loops at Guy Perrette's house uh, shooting, um, I think, Krusty 4, can't even remember now. Uh, they're all there, and then Bender's like, basically you could see where all these dudes are moto and 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 just like mayhem, like they lived how their movies were, you know, mm-hmm. that was like the world and we all showed up and, and, and like they all saw Bender and they're like, dude, yeah, was- like
0: people that changed it. Any, any hurt feelings you think?
4: Uh,
3: I don't know. You know, like I, 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 I mean, everybody has their, ego and um it's tough man there's there's a couple people that i absolutely think got a little bit robbed in the process Mm -hmm. because they've had a a much bigger impact on the sport than i was able to talk about Mm -hmm. but you know even to get the movie to a running time that was palatable for most people like sorry it was it was kind (laughs) of like you know, Oppenheimer, like three-hour epic, and you know, hopefully, we get the opportunity to break it down into a series because mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, we probably left a half a million dollars on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Like of, of stuff we shot for the film that we did not use, and and that's not to be like, you know, woohoo, a half million dollars in the bike industry where you're lucky to get five grand to do something um it's it's real and so there's so much good stuff that mm-hmm. left the film like so much uh, detail and nuances and things that you know the the true free ride community would really i think cherish to know um so it's tough to walk away it's tough to be in that position because i was really happy with the film at two hours and 20 minutes but nobody <laughs> wanted to watch that shit
1: you know so well i'll i'll say both like the two hour and 20 minute one didn't drag for me, yeah,
2: um, me it was but good. when
1: i but the the hour and 45 minute version that we've ended with i also i'm blown away at how tastefully it's it's pulled down and like i think it's man it it still has the same impact and i agree like a uh extended out series in the future would be sick um I also think that you like the people you chose there's a big difference between the people who change the sport were catalysts for change and the people who are really sick riders like it's it's so much more than that right like,
3: yeah ab- absolutely and and change like anything on our planet like is needed <laughs> and it's i mean i'd like to say it's inevitable but you know, there's so many people on the planet now, change takes a lot more to um, pull off than than ever before. I think, you know, in the early days of this sport and the sort of um, <laughs> the growth, like natural growth of it all, I mean there were people that made a difference. And to this day, there's people that make a difference, right? Like it's, you know, when we talked about it and everybody was, you know, who's in the film It, it in order for me to compartmentalize it and make it understood by everyone, it was like change agents, right? Like, who changed the game. And there's mentions of a ton of people that maybe nef- didn't necessarily change the game, but their 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 relevance and what they have accomplished needed to be you recognized. Know, recognized. You know, so I think it's a tough one, you know, because again, there's I have great friends and there's incredible talents out of touch free riding that are just not in this film that's that's the way it is and uh, you know premiering it i'm gonna always carry that like i'll take that with me for the rest of my life because i am that person that i want to acknowledge and you know say hey yeah we actually paid attention and it meant something but at the end of the day it's really tough to um you know you can only tell so many stories yeah
1: tippy your your story is, like, simultaneously one of the heaviest and one of the most uplifting in the film. And without giving away too much about your story, um, how how was it making this film, and how was the process of, like, working with Derek and going through
2: all this and telling your story? No, it was good. I, I was very, you know, happy and honored to, to be involved. And um, I've never really... Open up about all the sides of my whole story as, as I have in this one. I've touched on it here and there, but this is the deepest I've gone and kind of spilled my guts. And um, it, it, I'd. I want all the good sides to be shared, and the bad sides, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, does the world really need to know this, and like, is am I going to lose sponsors, are people going to not like me, because I've done some bad things, and it's not always an easy road, but at the same time, I feel good, because I think it will help people, and I think, um, it's kind of relieving to just put it out there, because probably a lot of hardcore mountain bikers know, but I'm telling the whole world that's going to watch this, um you know, that I've done bad things and made some wrong choices and I'm not proud of that, but yeah, but you know what, man, the, the, the part of
3: it is, is it's just, it's real life. And, and like the adrenaline junkie seeking world that we all live in, in action sports is so real. When you live in that world that people need to know this, like, you know, there's like, think about it. There's all these, people that come up here to whistler from vancouver or wherever with the hope that their child gets into you know mountain biking and is you know the next brandon seminock and like people live for the idea of that and there's just a reality that goes along with the risk and 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 reward of action sports and i think this is a you know I, th- I still feel it's a PG-13 version of it, you know, like. Oh, it's the- definitely, definitely
2: <laughs> could be a lot harsher and
3: gnarlier. Yeah, but but that I can honestly tell everyone that through the times when you had, you know, been in that world that those were, some of the most inspirational conversations I've ever had with a human. They were funny. They were shocking. They were real. It's like, Hey, you're driving down the road with your friend who now has a addiction issue and you care about him immensely, but you know that you're really not going to be able to control what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. It's, it only takes the person's, uh, heart and um i guess uh
2: will and support system
3: well yeah all of it right like that um and and that's a great message in the story is that
2: yeah uh, you got the real story when we were driving i i I buried my guest you in the truck and (laughs) talking about some
3: gnarly things yeah like you know four hour drive from nelson bc to Kelowna airport to pass tippy off to his parents um you know like uh like what
2: a, year are we talking here? Well, I don't even know. Oh, 2015? Yeah. 15, mm. 16, years ago, maybe? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 17. And then towards the end of it, 2007. And then, yeah. But yeah. T- I mean, Tippy, we're obviously, you know,
1: I'm grateful that you trusted Derek with, with your story because it's, it is, it's, I agree with him. It's like it's an important one. And I do think you're right that it's it does and will help people.
2: I think it will. You know what, I, even from what I have told the world already and other uh, mediums, just word of mouth and, and, you know, what I've said on social media every year on my, my sober date, I get dozens and dozens of messages from people who are reaching out looking for help, and I get messages from people who said that I've helped them, you know, fight back to the light eight years ago. 12 years ago, three months ago. Fuck. And that's rewarding to know that you've made a difference. And it's scary too because you have people who are reaching out for help and you don't know if you're going to be able to help them. And so I'm in the situation that you were in. And my dad was in and, and people were in trying to help me. I'm trying to help these people that I don't quite even really know. But you can tell that they're they're out to sea, they're lost. And um, you're trying to make a difference. So Yeah, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's that, that part is... All I give a fuck about,
3: right like mountain biking whatever like cool the it's it's the the thing that's lacked in our world is is you know especially in this sort of day and age we live in with the frequency of of content like substance matters it it, it definitely kind of checks <laughs> checks the boxes of the the story right
1: now. Let's 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 talk about the uh, massive fucking elephant in the room. Uh the the, the jaw drop. You
2: can we would, talk about the jaw drop now? Yeah, I guess let's we can. Yeah. Yeah. And it's spelled J A H. J H. Oh I know. China. For the people that don't know and think it's like, man. Jaw man. That's a Josh <laughs> special.
0: Yeah. L- you you were there for both. Yep. Wait, 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 wait. Let's go back. Hold on. Because okay. we got to tell, some people might not know. We yeah, know because yeah, we okay. are from here. Tippy or Derek, what is the jaw drop? Where is it? Why is it so infamous? Um, I'm going
3: to
2: let Brett talk about this because I don't want to incriminate myself. <laughs> 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 the jaw drop is a massive 45 to perhaps 50 foot cliff drop that's so on the outskirts of Kamloops that was first attempted by. Um Josh Bender in 2001, and it was an unsuccessful uh, attempt, and then he went back and hit it three more times the next summer, all filming for uh, Newell Disorder. The first one was done in Newell Disorder 1, and then the next ones were done in Newell Disorder 2, and he eventually um, said that it was too flat, which I told him to, I said in the beginning when I first saw it, The first time he hit it, he had bent his forks doing some drops with uh, ride entertainment, and he couldn't ride his bike. So I lent him my Marizuki Monster Tees from my RM9 and the front brakes. We couldn't get it detached, and he went and sent it. And um, like I said, I said, I think it's too flat. Like, I've done a lot of drops. I've done 15s, 20s. I've done up to a 25. I've tried some 32s, but I never landed them. But I landed at some 25s, a couple 25s. And I looked at this 45 footer and I think, well, I think it's too flat. And then Derek's like, dude, he's doing things you don't know about yet. He's doing a thousand push push-ups a day. He's got this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, take my forks, go for it. I'll watch, I'll film. And so actually it's one of the side shots in Newell's Order is from yeah. my little Sony Hi8 camera. And you can hear me go three, here he goes, three, two, one. And I don't know if he kept it in the movie or not, but I could hear the power word that Bender says when he does something gnarly. He says, instead, not a three, two, one. It's not a drop it in. It's a loopy loo. That's <laughs> yeah, in there with you and Agassi. It's, is it uh, still in there? Okay. Yeah, that's
3: yeah, great. It's, so I heard that.
2: Funny. We filmed him do it. And he, he hit, turned the bar to the left, high-sided, hit his tree. He went in a motocross element, and he hit a tree like like big as my calf. and um, Which is big for listeners at home. Yeah, I must be a farmer because I've been growing some calves. <laughs> and... Uh, he, he, he uh, yeah, he cast himself really bad. And then he went and tried it three more times. And no one's tried it since. No one's tried it for 22 years. Because it's psychotic. I... It's massive and it's kind of a flat landing. Like people have gone bigger, you know, in, yeah. in various different film projects or at rampage, but with steep landings. Yeah, like manicured steep yeah. landings. This mm-hmm. is a big raw plum drop. This is like an old school cliff drop that's just massive and kind of soft, and there's trees on the sides, and it's just like a it's just a big raw monster. And uh it, it, when you stand on the top of it,
1: you're like, no, 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 no. Right. F- Fuck no. It seems like 50, 60
2: feet when you're up top. It, wow,
3: there's so many crazy. I don't know, just like nuances and details to it all. Like, yeah, it's 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 crazy because you don't realize how time changes things. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It was big then, it's fucking big now. That's what I wanted to ask is like coming and, back. And, and going back there, I actually went there um two summers ago. Um, or no, actually last summer. I went there, um, and you know, I had heard Braga had expressed his interest in possibly going there. Like, I think it's like a, a like almost like going to a
2: express temple. an interest. I love that. It's, it's like it's like it's like something so casual, like applying for a job or something. I <laughs> no, express but... an interest. Yeah, I'm gonna go hunt the jaw drop, <laughs> and I'm gonna stick it. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, no, it, it, I went back there and I I Facetimed him or or whatever, uh, WhatsApped him from the bottom of the jaw drop, and I was standing on it for the first time in twenty plus years, and it was it felt steep like I could not walk up the the, the runout like, and it was concrete like it was so hard. Sun
2: baked. Sun changes. Big, yeah, it changes yeah, throughout the seasons. Changes.
3: And this is the crazy thing is when we got back there. Again, I'm incriminating myself Um, this year. uh, Like so random, it was soft. Like when, and and after the winter, and Agassi was like, Agassi was in on this, right? Like um, we're in his hood and he was, he was hanging. And like, we were like, what the, like, what the fuck? It's after the winter, it wasn't a big, precipier you know but it was the, a wet spring decently wet yeah, spring, yeah, yeah. yeah and it but the landing was soft and so you know braga being who he is he's very like in tune with the like the um ideology of what he was doing and like he wanted bender's blessing he wanted to hit it raw like he did not want to pull up the landing yeah yeah, I mean, and he didn't. What he did and what we did was to pack it down because it was a lot softer than we could have ever imagined. Like when I was there in the summer, like a couple months later, a year ago, it was it was concrete. Like and he was like, I want it to be concrete, but it wasn't. It was soft. And and then it just becomes like
2: Dangerous. And too soft means that, mm. you know, your friend is going to dig in and you're going to get flipped over the bars Yeah, for and, people that don't know.
3: Yeah. And, and so like just the reality of having to edit it, um, you know, better like no edits and, and, and Braga's like no edits, but you know, you spend that time, uh, building up to something and then you have those resources there and it's up for all the marbles. You kind of. You know, you either go for it or you don't. And, you know,
2: he, he, he went for it. I got to say that you're very lucky that I was there because there was a few moments where I, I, I saved the day. Where I heard we, this. we got there, and we got up to the top, and Brogger was looking at it, and then he went to put more air into his tires. He didn't think he had enough air, and I squeezed his tires, and they felt pretty rampage hard. But the pump that you guys brought let out more air than he could put into it. It was broken, and you were sitting there stressing. The lights, you know, Going down, we'd driven everybody up there. You flew him over, and he didn't have enough air in his tires now. And you guys looking at, him and they're like, "We're fucked, we're fucked." And your face just, your, your old body basically dropped. And I was like, "No, it's all good, boys. I got this." And I reached in my backpack. I pulled out a little mini pump. <laughs> so then Derek's like madly pumping Broggy's tires. And I'm sitting there watching it. And I'm like, actually having it on film on my camera. I go, hey, Broggy, you know your big deal when you got Big D pumping your tires. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was pumping them fast, hard and fast. Um, so we got it going. And then I said to him, I go, you know what? I know you've done a lot of big air, but I've done a lot of big airs in countless too. And I just want to let you know, just to share any input that I have, is that you're going to have to land this twice. He's like, what? And I go, you're going to have to land this twice. You're going to have to land the initial impact and then you're going to bounce and you have to land it again. And he's like, right, 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 right. Of course. Yes. Okay, cool. And so that's exactly what happened is he landed it twice. And then once he landed it, he was at the bottom with a swollen ankle and you and Broggy were sitting there talking like a couple rookies with your back to the slope and as blue as GoPro off. So someone's looking for the GoPro. I'm sitting there watching the hill when lo and behold, a rock the size of a baseball is bouncing down and it's going right at Derek's head and it's going to crush your cranium. And I reach out with a spade and I put it out and I do the hockey goalie stop of this giant rock right in front of Big Dig's head. And it goes bang. It hurt my hands. Like when you hit a baseball with a baseball bat, like aluminum baseball bat, that's what it felt like. And I was like, oh. and you're like, Oh, thanks, Tip. I'm like, no problem.
3: <laughs> There's been times making this movie that I wish you would have just moved the shovel, dude.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but that was my input for, for help, helping helping the scene.
1: Because always saves the
3: day one way or another.
2: <laughs> did you, Tippi, did you ever think about trying it? I looked at it. Back in the day? I looked at it. And, you know, no.
1: Also, <laughs> yeah. awesome. no. actually.
2: Yeah. We have so much in common, <laughs> You know, like if like, Common sense. <laughs> if you gave me a million dollars, or if I had to, you know. Oh, I'd do it for a million. Yeah. Like, I think, like, What's if you had on the bike right and now. took the original force, then you could, you know, fly off the bike and I would maybe cut the trees out so you don't hit a tree, but.
0: That's um, editing.
2: That's editing. The biggest I've, I've ever attempted was 32 feet, which was big, but I, I never wrote it out. And the biggest thing I landed was 25 feet down, which is like half a jaw drop. Um, so to do the jaw drop, I think the way, to, like the way I would do it, it would have gone really fast and gone. set of like plumb dropping into it. Well, and the, I probably would have gone and sent it way too far down the hill. I don't know. I, I think the crazy thing is, is that, you know, you could
3: watch that. 10 times when bender did it and whatever year that was 2001 and two um it was a different beast because of the erosion like the crazy thing is is that's not something you practice Mm -hmm. you either do it or you don't and you know because of the zero dark 30 approach we had to do to taking that um jump down very military uh like precision surgery of of execution and um yeah not going to jail don't put me in jail um that takes a different way of thinking and you don't get to sit there on top of it for hours on end looking at it thinking about it and i mean braga's uh a fucking sharp dude he knows what's going on like he knows what he's capable of and and the, the craziest thing is I went up to the top with him because, you know, again, we're really, you know, there isn't a film crew standing on top of the jaw drop for a couple straight days. You know, it's like boom, boom. Um, and I was up top with him. And when he actually got on his bike and went to ride into the jump, his size and wheelbase of his bike oh god like he literally fucking hans raid you know hop 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 straight his bike out and then had maybe one wheel length to let the brakes off and fly Dude. off that cliff <laughs> so it was like it was like super real because it, it, it eroded probably at least a bike length or more in the last 20 years and then so you take a, up Like, further up the hill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so the the actual in-run was
1: not far off from the wheelbase of his GT downhill bike. Like, and that's one thing, like, obviously everybody's seen the film, go and see the film, and then when you watch the jaw drop, watch it, obviously watch it a million times, but just look at how little, like, he genuinely, he gets on the bike, like, eight feet from the lip and it's, he's like perpendicular to the, to the takeoff. Yeah. He does like a half crank, a bunch of little, yeah, like trials hop to get into place. Just like balancing. Let's go the break for a millisecond. And then it's pole. Yeah. It's just the yeah.
2: biggest pull you've ever seen. And yeah, that's wild. I don't like, Well, what's interesting (sighs) about that is because he had just built that bike up, and then he went out to Valley View to do a few warm-up drops Mm -hmm. and he did uh, four warm-up drops that were like 15 to 20 feet and on two of them, he started very close to the the takeoff, like more than I would have to do a 20-foot drop like that and he was doing that on purpose to recreate what he was going to do off the jaw drop once he was warmed up.
1: Was the fact that he didn't... Scratching a longer run in because of the like no edits mentality?
3: Yeah, definitely Fuck. like he wanted to like if you look at it, it's rad. There's a double drop. You could you could hit a 25-foot cliff or something like above. at full speed above it and then like drop into that. And, I mean, that's obviously for some kid in the future to uh take on, but right now, um, like just even looking at it, rethinking it, like it, it was there. But, you know, one of the really, I think, strong um, future storylines is, is that mentality that Braga and uh, a number of other riders uh, right now bring to the mentality of free riding that, you know, there's, there's respect for where you came from you know we're at that age mm-hmm. now and and that's a big thing of the you know i think for me one of the goals of the movie was to to tell that story as well so that the new generation actually understood and respected where it came from and and because it it came with a lot of sacrifice it didn't come as some you know yeehaw like
2: social media hit like it wasn't um it's surprising how many hard nights and days it takes to become an overnight sensation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: we weren't we weren't gonna say the nothing's for free, but nothing's for free. No.
3: Right. Like that's and, and, the, and the price is a lot more than people think about when they walk out of of the door in the morning. And I think that was important for me as uh I never call myself a filmmaker, but like as as a filmmaker, like that was important. There were some things that I wanted to do personally for this film that were important to me and that. And, and like, you know what, fuck, there's going to be a lot of people that say, I should like, whatever. Like I wasn't doing this to, to win awards or, 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 you know, put my hands up in the air. It was, it was, a, it's kind of like the story of my life, you know, like, and people don't, see it through those eyes because they didn't live it the same way and like you know uh there's there's a lot of uh depth to it that isn't in your average mountain bike film well
1: and when you look outside here at crankworks and you see what everybody's doing there are so many people who are here for the spectacle which is great because that's what grows the industry and it's grow people connect with the sport and seven-year-old braga's watch the spectacle of Bender sending it and connect with that and make that about So like all of that's really great. But I do think that not to sound like an old man on a porch, but like the kids don't know the people don't realize what this shit's built on. And it's not built on high fives and, and like, you know, cool people in cool places doing cool shit on cool bikes, like sunset vibes, whatever it's built on a lot of heavy stuff.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's very blue collar. Like mm. I like to think that probably until very recently, the sport was very blue collar. Like mm. the people that carried it on their backs and founded it and, and changed it. Um, they're all just, I mean, I, I don't want to say, you know, blue collar Canadians. Cause you know, there's a lot of blue collar kids from the States that, had is in Europe that had as much impact, you know, but it's, it's, it was never this privileged sport. Like that's all there Mm -hmm. is to it. Like it wasn't about privilege. You want to be a ski racer, you know, um, chances are you have the money to be able to go to those races and to, you know, spend a weekend in Aspen. And I think the, we're all fucking, poor kids (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know and like when when i you know really started to glue it together like straight and zinc and like you know the original kids paul b these guys come from sort of similar backgrounds a lot of broken homes a lot of like uh you know real world shit that Mm -hmm. like just people don't talk about and and no we didn't really get super into it you know there's one point in the movie when paul talks about you know, being on the free ride circuit back in the day when the money came in and he's like, you know, that made us all hate each other. And I know Zink was really like, that was only Paul. Paul's the only person that felt that way, but that money brought the competition, the money changed the friendships. And I mean, the sport's always been the camaraderie in the sport has always been insane, right? Like you watch Nikolai at a slope style, like the camaraderie is there like he is totally. fucking fired up and like he's stoked for every one of the people who are competing against him he's hard on himself but he's he's stoked and 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 i think that is that's where we come from. like
2: that. And it goes even deeper when you're in the backcountry because not only are you stoke for your friend, you don't want to be the only guy that lands it. You want them to land all their drops and steep lines and shoots and stuff too because you don't also want to have to drag them out of there no. and have to and that, save them. So that, you want – it's a health thing. Yeah, And mm. that
3: part, man, like I tell you, like my kids are born into this shit and they don't – they're not really that into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually cool <laughs> with that. Yeah, Like I don't um, – if my kids playing soccer or golf, I'm cool with that, <laughs> because I've followed them down mountain bike trails and it's fucking scary. I've watched my friends become paralyzed. I've watched my friends die. Like, and and if you unfold it to my life beyond mountain biking and action sports, it's even deeper than that. It's it's heavy, and the 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 the, the bullshit thing that everybody talks about of he died doing what he loved or she died doing what they loved, like to me that that's kind of cool till it's not anymore because you died. Right. And, and that is like, you know, there's years in my life where I didn't want to pick up the phone. A lot of times when I'd see phone numbers come, come onto my phone because that's a reality of this game and people don't really realize that they think it's all just,
1: you know, viral
3: hits. It's not.
1: Yeah. Do you, I mean, in that risk versus reward, I think there's two sort of, themes that come through in the film for me that are kind of like in opposition. like there's a lot of this it's free ride we love this we would do this no matter what we would do this anyway and then there's also this like ah uh, like fuck the, this industry it's exploitative industry and not just about money but like yeah there's like sort of two sides of this and I don't like, how does that net out? How are those, how can those coexist?
3: <laughs> Again? Um, I mean, we really try to make people think about this. Like you think about it, you tell me what you think, because that's more important as a filmmaker to, uh, to convey, right? Like let the audience figure it out. Like, I think if it makes people aware, I think there's some inherent, issues with companies mm-hmm. that they don't even really know right like it's just a way of doing business it's the way it is and you know I, I the the president of the fox group chris tutton who's a old friend started worked his way up and a very successful businessman now um you know he's he's seen it all over the last few decades and and you know he talks in the film about like how do you handle that like and, and, you know, if, uh, you can be the best in the world if you're hurt for three years and can't ride your bike and can't get photos and magazines and, and, you know, your, your views now, um, what's your value? And yeah. and that's a tough thing because this sport isn't about falling in water or, you know, landing in powder. It's, it's, it's different. The the price is the price of admission is a bigger price. And You know, if it makes people at those brands open their fucking eyes and go, okay, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there needs to be an element of loyalty for the risk that's involved here, Mm -hmm. then, then I've won. So,
1: (laughs) I I mean, I'm going to put words in your mouth, sorry, but like, it sounds to me like the, it's not necessarily the, like the transactional side of like, do sick shit for us. It's the lack of loyalty when the natural consequence of this shit isn't isn't like reciprocated
2: yeah. you hope that it's there yeah. and sometimes it and is some and sometimes are, it isn't yeah
0: this yeah. is a loaded question but like devil's advocate do you guys think as a room that free ride free riders sell a lot of mountain bikes like do, do they or is it like Joey the jumper on YouTube who you know makes how to wheelie that sells the mountain yeah, bikes yeah
3: i mean and and that's that's a great Argument. It's a great conversation. Um, that's changed, mm-hmm. but the image and this—the the, the the movie basically this sums up the movie, which is it's not necessarily about loyalty. It's about awareness. Like I think, I think
2: you hope it's, it's about a loyalty. You well, hope it is. Well,
3: yes, but you know, there's there's the realities of business too. Um, that. This is a small window that you have. And, you know, I, when I used to have to go to the high school and and go to this, you know, filmmaking class and tell kids how to be a, a filmmaker, um, I was always very realistic about it. Like, hey, guys, like you all sit back and idolize this lifestyle and this, this world, but there's a lot to it that you would never understand until you live it and that is the crazy part about this film is it it naturally exposes that and and i think that's a key takeaway is that you think that oh it's all just awesome and rad and who sells mountain bikes i'll tell you what Mountain biking was built on the race mentality that until free riding came along, this wasn't approachable to anybody and having fun is universal. And that's the thing that fuels like, what is it? Free riding? Is it mountain biking? Like all the, all that shit is, is kind of like stuck in its, um, terminology more than it is the experience and and i always said like no matter what had come along over the years like you know i had people call me like hey do you want to you know film the like can we bring you guys in free ride to film the world cups and make them look rad because we can't get a tv deal because it's boring and it's like well yeah i mean drones hadn't come along and you can string out a six thousand foot cable cam and try to make it look rad but like there's only so many things you can do and what freeriding did was make mountain biking rad
1: period and that sold a shitload of bikes
3: yeah, over the years. That, yeah. That, that sells enduro bikes it sells hardtails it sells downhill bikes it, it, it sells bikes and if any bike company doesn't fun fucking themselves re- yeah fun, f- experience f- fun excitement something to look up to like you tell me Brandon Seminox never sold a bike for Trek? Fuck that. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> sure. like,
0: Brandon like, has sold on. me a bike for Trek, sure. <laughs>
2: for sure. <laughs> yeah,
3: and I don't care if it was a road bike.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, my that's an- it. Like, when you asked, my answer would have been different, I think. Like, I was thinking about individual, like, does one freerider, how many bikes do they sell today? Yes. Um. Versus Versus other types of things. But I think Derek's got a point that without without the change that Freeride brought like this industry doesn't sell I'm
2: selling a bike right now my old downhill bike (laughs) somebody (laughs) buy buy (laughs) (laughs) Tippy's bike it's chained up in the village it's got a (laughs) cardboard sign on (laughs) it for
1: sale (laughs) (laughs) Tippy you you were a little quiet for the for the uh, risk versus reward exploitation versus doing it for the love
2: Chat. Where where do you fall on that scale? My risk versus reward scale has changed a lot since I've had kids. Mm-hmm. I was I was in my twenties and thirties when this whole revolution was happening, and I wanted to get laid so bad I would have done anything. <laughs> I jump off cliffs. I did jump off cliffs, and uh, it worked. <laughs> You hear that, kids? That's <laughs> why you hear <do> that. <laughs> that was my dream. I was like a horny Canloops dude with, like, big libido. The big everything. Sarah.
3: The business manager is going to edit
4: this thing out. Right now. I can hear it. But that's is my phone ringing? Keep it that's in. what
2: fueled my adrenaline glands and, and sent me off a lot of stuff that I probably wouldn't have done because it's gnarly and you can get hurt. But... I've had a tough time really kind of getting hurt too. Like I never, Mm -hmm. knock on wood, broke bones. I never got a concussion. I never did ligaments tendons. I got hundreds and hundreds of stitches. I got like close to, you know, 250 stitches from crashing. And done some minor tweaks and separated shoulders and you know, dislocated shoulders and elbows and stuff. Look at you, man. You're a
3: but, fucking specimen.
2: Right. <laughs> it's Everybody
3: hard. else has been in the hospital <laughs> in wheelchairs and you're just sending it and walking away. It's
2: hard to be humble when you're 220 pounds with of twisted teal and sex appeal with a body that women love and men fear. <laughs> but, exactly. You know, so after I met, a, I met the group, my dream girl and I got my dream girl and you know, I really kind of questioned why I did do gnarly things. And now when I do gnarly things, it's because I, I love it and I'm not doing as gnarly things as I perhaps once did. And I don't do them as often. And I do them when I choose to do it, but I do it sometimes when I do love it. But now that I've got two little girls, like sometimes when you ride something where you could die, like you, you fall off like a hundred foot cliff, yeah, you know, yeah. like it's right, right beside where you're riding. You could die like it's it's or get really hurt, and I'm looking after two little people that you know I brought into the world. it makes it more real, and I really pick and choose when I do do something gnarly, and you know i'm fifty four years old do i do I really want to send like you know the jaw drop? No. no, only when Sarah withholds sex. You're right. <laughs> okay, here's the clip. Let's go. All right, three, two, one. <laughs> what is it? Loopy <laughs> loo.
0: Loopy loo. <laughs> and off Loopy you went.
2: <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So it's uh, it's the risk versus risk reward. I do it now because. It's fun. I pick and choose my moments. I have no problem saying no. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. At the same time, you have to do something gnarly every now and then to let people know that you're still around and still legit. Like I do a lot of announcing and video hosting and coaching and guiding, but I still am still part of my career as a pro free freerider. So, you know, you see some yids, they want to see something, or you've got some photographer from across the Atlantic, you do have to do something gnarly every now and then, so... When my bike's working good, when I'm working good, when everything's feeling good, I'll do it because I want to get keep getting paid too. And so there's kind of like, people ask why you do something. Why do you do it? You know, for the thrill, for the love, for the money. You know what? I think if you're honest, everything's a pie chart, and there's different percentages of why you do things, and the pie chart changes all the time. And as you get older, then maybe the percentages change. But yours has two slices of pie get laid in cash. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, so half a pie, basically. <laughs> you <laughs> know, I always get half the pie. I'll <laughs> we'll yeah. take a slice of luffy loo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So it's an interesting question. Um, And I think it's always changing the answer. So, what would you what would you tell then, like the the
0: young Bragas, the young Jackson Riddles, that you know they want it, they see the pro eyes, they want to be one risk versus reward. How as how are they supposed to navigate that? If you're gonna do something gnarly,
2: make sure it's worth your while. Like, get it on camera, you know. Like, and maybe not a thirty second Instagram shred it. Yeah, like like you want it to. Like I won't do anything gnarly unless there's a camera there really. Sometimes I'll do for soul, you know, but really if you want it to be advantageous to your family, you gotta get on a camera because then you can share the experience with someone. It's kind of like I don't wanna I don't need to be famous anymore. I've been famous for a long time, I don't care. But at the same time, if I'm gonna do something gnarly, get on a camera, then it's worth it to yourself and to your family and to somebody else to be inspired. Maybe. So, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Right.
3: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, really the bigger moral of the story now is that the business has changed. Yeah. We created a business model in free riding that was sustainable. It's not now.
2: And you need, in, you need content every and, and, single day. And that's thing that
3: the movie addresses. I would have, I could have made a whole movie about <laughs> you that. could have, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> the frequency, when that's your job, that's when the risk really starts to go up. And, and people don't understand that like, hey, if I can go work at McDonald's and the fucking worst thing that's gonna happen to me is I'm gonna get a burn on my fingers from the deep fryer, like that's a different world than ending up in a wheelchair or dead. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people forget about that. And so you need to be taken care of if you're going to risk your life.
2: And And in our day, you had to do one movie a year, two movies a year, and, you know, maybe a couple magazine shoots, and then you're covered for the year. Now you need to put out something twice a day.
3: Tom Van Steenberg, and probably the gnarliest dude that ever walked the face of the earth. And and I'm a massive, massive fan of... I've watched, and we sat in our interview for the movie. I've watched what that does to people. And I'm friends with a lot of fucking rad people, man, like Robbie Madison. When you're jumping off buildings a, on New Year's Eve that for so hundreds oh of thousands God. of people uh, or millions of people, and that becomes the level in which you operate, where do you go from there? <laughs> right? Brock, not gonna be able to jump off. Uh, six foot gravel pit in Norway next week when this movie comes out because now he's set the bar to like where he's at and that's a that's where the real risk occurs right because there is so much pressure of these athletes and part of the what inspired this you know story and 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 work with tip on in the film was uh original series called the dark side of adrenaline that Mm -hmm. i'm going to be on you know hot after this but it's to expose the bigger question in action sports of of this lifestyle you know you got dave mira who you know legendary for our uh scene and you know one of the um
2: those Biggest, winningest X Games, the athletes, winningest ever. X Games mm-hmm.
3: athletes ever. Exactly. You know, super successful family. You know, yeah, he hit his head a lot of times. And that goes with the territory. But when your career's over and you're no longer Dave Mirror, the guy that everybody, you know, fans out on at the X Games, what happens to you? And that is you know the essence again of this of this film it's like you can be left behind when slope style came up and tip and bender and and the ogs steve romaniac uh like these dudes are big air big balls fucking shredders that all of a sudden aren't relevant because they can't do backflips and tail whips there's a reality to that and 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 i hate to say it but you know, the mountain biking industry. You're not getting laid
2: as much anymore. It's harsh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, um, you know, the mountain bike industry, I will say very directly has never been creative. There's been creative people in yep. it, but the bike industry, let's let's reel it back to the bike industry. You know, it's it's a cow mentality. Everybody does this. Everybody does that. Right? Like, everybody follows. It's a follower kind of mentality. And the film celebrates the people that don't follow, but it also brings awareness to that mentality that, okay, if everybody says all that matters is how many views you get on Instagram, what does that do to Tom Van Steenbergen? Yeah. He can't fucking jump off a curb and a million people watch it. That his livelihood is based on being gnarly <laughs> and now that's expected it's 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 what how you get paid yeah and is that worth it? I will tell you that that dude <laughs> I don't even know what to say like I it's not I wouldn't do that for that you know like at all period like why not ride your bike have fun and 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 grow up to see your family and your kids and and watch your brother have kids and do do, or or whatever like enjoy enjoy your life and everybody's so fixated on getting their free shit and their you know free t-shirts and and you know 10
1: grand for whatever yeah yeah, yeah
3: you know i used to say it like to everybody my motto was you know what you can't put a mustard on a handlebar and shove it down your kid's throat like you can't live off that shit and that's what's being offered and 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 so it is a, a bit of a Wake up call to the bike industry as free was so when good. it came you can't up. can
2: put mustard on a down your good throat. Yeah, you can't eat free stickers. Yeah. Don't, turns
1: out the grocery store doesn't take exposure. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> and, exactly. and,
3: and, and that's a reality. But that's so many of the bike brands are engulfed in in, 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 in that's inbred in their mentality that that's what value is. What's value? what is a person's value to the world to a brand to the sport like that's what is is left on the table for everybody to make up their minds with the movie is like okay live like this for a minute you want to walk in my shoes everybody <laughs> you know peel your friend off the ground fucking go see them in the hospital say goodbye to them like like that's the reality and people just they take it take advantage of the whole idea of it, and 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 brands take advantage of it because there's a value which is made by an algorithm, and the algorithm, the the world of technology and the way the world works, the the singing cat is going to get way more views than than Fabio Vilmer, and and that's okay. The, it's it's but Fabio needs to judge whether. I'm going to
1: keep doing this for less views than the singing cat. Well, Fabio needs to calm down because it's stressing me out. But I also think that's, he's one of the guys who has leveraged the thing he does and has like seen his value and, and, and owned his value and owned his shit in the way that a lot of people haven't. Um, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's all about timing. Yeah.
3: when, when neural mm-hmm. Disorder came out, mm-hmm. the world was ready
1: for it, mm-hmm. you know,
3: mm-hmm. like this movie now I think can be, can, the story can be told and people are ready for it five, 10 years ago. And when it, when it the first came into conception, like it kept evolving. And when you want to tip your hat to the future of the sport, who that is today might be different tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. There's our well let's call it Saturday right um, you know Red Bull joyride happens and that next hero can walk onto the field and, and, one and that's, run away and that's rad and and you know that's the cool part about the sport of free riding is there's always these incredible talents and and this is really the story of of where a lot of them came from or or the people who really founded the sport where they came from.
0: Well, we are currently a day away from the premiere. When, when was the last time you had a film premiere? Oh man. I mean,
3: last time I was proud of a film premiere. No, (laughs) no, I've, 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 uh, you know, free rides continued in the filmmaking space. We made surf movies, motorcycle movies. Um, we've done a lot of stuff in action sports, uh, you know, with Red Bull and, and, and beyond. Um, the last film that I directed was a while ago, probably a decade, really. You know, I did a a a, a film called "The Unridables," was a, which was about speed riding and people skiing uh, with with I guess parachutes, wings, and and being able to ski in places nobody had ever skied, and it was a kind of a cool project for me because it's all the same mentality of, of doing things that nobody's ever done, but you know, that's also getting to be a rich white man story too. Mm-hmm. So, um, that part of it, you know, has changed a bunch. This is, this is a project that I actually wanted to make. Like I haven't, there's nothing to have done for the last 10 years, you mm-hmm. know, like, or, you know, I think we touch on that too. Like when, when, uh, I walked away from making new world disorder films. It was because that's, it was time. Like you can only, I I would never, you know, it's better to burn out than fade away. Like I would never be that person to continually to run the wheels off an idea or a thought. Like, you know, you either change the game or you don't, right? And that's that was the mentality to come back and make something, you know, important in the mountain bike industry.
0: Yeah, for sure. How how are the the nerves and the stress levels going to a premiere? It's been a while, and also, what do you hope like people take away from watching this film?
1: Uh, do what do you think the reaction is going to be like on Friday night? Huh.
2: Do you think people are thinking it's going to be a big hour long shredded? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Are you, you know? going to be too heavy for people? I don't know. Or is it going to be too heavy? I don't know. I don't. Do know. you care? I don't know. I don't.
3: No, I don't care. Actually, you know mm-hmm. what? I don't fucking care. Yeah. Because this is, this is what I did for myself and, and for the story of our sport. I don't necessarily, I'm not looking for the laurels and the accolades that uh, a lot of people motivate their careers with. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't care. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, really, truly do not care. I care about, you know, people sitting there and going, holy fuck, this man right here has lived a life. Mm-hmm.
1: And he's pointing at Tippy for everyone. He's not
3: pointing <laughs> at himself. <laughs> um, yeah, I am pointing at Tippi. But the 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 um I want people to in everything in, in in pop culture, celebrity, like, you know, people forget that these are real people like that. Um there's life issues catch up with you you know like addiction everything it's not even like drug addiction or alcohol addiction it's that lifestyle that's also addictive and that comes with the price too like yeah, you don't totally. you don't beyond
2: drugs and alcohol and yeah. sleep deprivation and driving and it's the and the lifestyle of, of, the, of the industry
3: yeah like you know the the it's been hard mentally and physically like this this project like took me to the brink more times than anything in my life. No relationship, no job, no anything. Like, it it took me to the brink. And and that, if if people like the film, then that's my reward there, right? Yeah. Um, that's all I, you know, I hope that people respect it and, and think it's cool because, I, I mean, I try to only do things that are cool, and I, I kind of feel like it's cool.
2: This is a legacy story story of, you know, you and our friends and um, the people around us that have made a difference. And then of the people that have stepped into the current role in the future and are taking it forward. So it's it's a legacy movie. I I mean,
1: yeah, I know you made this for my approval, but like, no, it's a I genuinely it's so much better than uh, another banger shredded shred film and like. I like me a good banger shred film. So I feel like the story got told really well. Um, Thank and you. I, I, I'm very confident that people, uh, the, the people who don't know will know. And I think a lot of people are going to, it's going to impact a lot of people. So yeah, yeah for what so. it's worth, I think it's and f- I, and fucking I hope cool.
3: It, I hope it rebirths the idea of what rewriting is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, the Shredits the shreddits are rad, but there's something more out there. And everybody has to like sort of rewind to, you know, that's the beginning of the film. You you have to rewind to get like figure out how, how the hell you got here. You know, uh, like I think that's the, the the greatest story that's told is like, hey, wait a minute. Let's let's go back a minute here and figure out why there's forty thousand people in the village on Saturday watching Red Bull Joyride. Totally. The movie I think touches on it in a broad scope mm-hmm. and, and and that's it. Like when mountain biking became fun, it became fun for everybody. And that's what makes it rad. And you know, of course I love to see people win races and, and beat the clock, but at the end of the day, making this accessible and 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 creating, you know, people like you know brandon and the in the and the amazing talents that everybody looks up to and puts on this like you know infinite pedestal of of making the sport rad that's that's those are the people that are making it happen and that's why we're all here and and without the roots and and this story that that wouldn't
0: be here well thank you guys so much for taking the time to all be here. You obviously all had massive parts in the film. I grew up on the neural disorder series and that's exactly what got me into mountain biking. So yeah, cool. Well, sure. Jason
1: wants to hit the jaw drop next week. Absolutely yeah. not. Unless Lukey the
0: camera's rolling.
2: Good luck to you. <laughs> yeah, <loopy> <laughs> <later>. <laughs> it's no. been fun. Thanks for having us on. And uh, you know this podcast comes out after the movies, but we're looking forward to the premiere, which happens. You put a lot of hard work in, and yeah, well, um, I guess a lot the day this comes out, you out can watch there. it
3: online, which is even better. You don't have to be in Whistler. And-
2: yeah, yeah, go right. watch the film, search it up. It's Nothing's
3: awesome. for
1: free. There's lots of different ways. There I can't will be- wait to see the latest version. Yeah, there will be a. F- Free stream at some point as well, I'd but I think that's going to be. We'll see how that goes. Something's for free. Something's for free. <laughs> Something's for this, free, <laughs> but, not <this> <laughs> but not this film. Support
0: the filmmakers. Yeah, yeah <laughs> dude, it's, it's, it's it, true.
3: Like, in order for for the future to happen, you have to actually quit swiping and pay attention,
0: and and that's that's important. It's absolutely important. Well, thank you guys so much. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for having us on. Thank yeah, thanks you for coming, fine, Jason. Thanks
3: for having us.